Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening. And enjoy the show. safe reality and fallen into darkness. There is no escape and there is no reprieve. Welcome to the Simply Scary Podcast Season 2 Episode 5. I am G.M. Danielson, your guide through these twisted worlds of the most disturbed imaginations. Follow me to your seat in this theatre of terror. To open this matinee of the macabre, we bring you our adaptation of a creepypasta classic that is as much known for its controversy as it is known for its disturbing tone. When a young girl remembers her favourite childhood television show, she also remembers the markedly unhappy results of what should have been a much more positive fan experience. Jordan Lester brings us the simply scary podcast treatment of Anton Scheller's The Fan Club.
When I was nine years old, I had a favorite TV show. I don't want to identify it because it was a really good show, and they can't be blamed for what ended up happening. So for the purposes of this story, I'll just call it The M Show. The show ran for years, and I'd been watching it for as long as I can remember. I always sat down straight after school with my older sister Scarlett and my next-door neighbor and best friend, Brandy. It was our ritual. Every day, the three of us sat together, with candy if my mom allowed it. And during the commercial breaks, we talked and gossiped about all the important issues in our lives. Then, one warm summer Friday, Scarlett found a contest in one of her magazines. It asked questions about the show, and everybody who sent in the correct answers would become a member of the M Show Club, the program's official fan club. Even better, first prize was a trip for you and your parents to Disney World. That very day, after watching the show, the three of us huddled together on the couch to answer the quiz. Without Scarlet, Brandy and I would never have managed to answer all the questions. They were awfully hard, recalling obscure details about very old episodes of the show. Scarlet even told us to vary them slightly so that we wouldn't get called out for cheating. Scarlet then begged our mom for stamps, and we each filled the three envelopes with our names, contact details, and our answers. The letters were sent off, and every day after that, we all rushed to the mailbox to get our official club badges. But by the time the first snow began to fall, we stopped checking. Brandy was still passionate about the show and watched it every day, but Scarlet had lost interest. When she stopped watching, I began to skip it too. Brandy still came over, but she was the only one watching. I sat next to her while working my way through Scarlet's old teen magazines. It was early spring, and I'd all but forgotten the contest. I remember my mom reprimanded me for plucking two tulips from our garden to decorate the kitchen table. But right after her lecture, she handed me a small square letter with my name printed on it. The back said, Welcome to the M Show Fan Club. There was not much in the envelope, a short leaflet that welcomed me to the club, and a small ID card. The card had the show's logo printed in black on top alongside the club's title. Below this, stamped into the card, was my name. Below that, the word, member. Brandy got her envelope the same day. She was glowing with happiness. Scarlet was jealous at first, but two days later, she got an envelope too. From then on, every Friday, each of us received a leaflet about the show, with photos and anecdotes and background information on the characters. Occasionally, the leaflets also called on the club members to promote the show, and to watch out for the M Show Tour. If they were trying to buy our loyalty, it worked. I think from that day on, after I proudly stuffed the membership card in my bag, I didn't miss a single episode. I don't think any of us did. Then, in mid-June, we all got two leaflets. The first was the usual one with facts and photos, but the second was an ad. The M Show Tour Bus is coming to your town. This is your chance to become an elite member. The leaflet didn't provide much information, and this was in the days before everyone had a computer at home. The tour bus would arrive at 1pm, and the main characters from the show would be there to welcome everybody and play games. Those kids that participated in at least four games would be upgraded to elite member status and receive a new golden membership card. The bus was scheduled to arrive the following Sunday. We were all allowed to go, and were beyond excited. The following nine days I waited were some of the longest of my life. 
Brandy, Scarlet, and I planned every day how we would take photos with each of the characters and then play games with them. I secretly dreamed of beating Scarlet at the trivia challenge, where our knowledge about the show would be tested. That Saturday, Scarlet went to a birthday sleepover at her friend's house, but the girl's parents were supposed to have my sister back by noon on Sunday. At 12.30, Brandy came running up to my house. She knocked on the back door, like she always did, and I let her in. Brandy was particularly excited. Her mom had volunteered to accompany the three of us, and Brandy wanted to go early so that we wouldn't miss anything. There was just one problem. Scarlet wasn't back yet. My mom called the house she'd slept over at, but no one answered. My mom told us not to worry, as there was still plenty of time. At a quarter to one, Brandy's mother came over and announced that we would have to leave soon, otherwise the lines would be too long. My mom said we should wait for Scarlet, who still hadn't shown up or even called yet, but Brandy threw a tantrum. She was scared that if we came late, she wouldn't be able to hug all the characters. Brandy's mom decided it was time to go. I wanted to accompany them, but my mom said that I should wait for Scarlet, and that she'd drive the two of us over once she'd arrived. I felt as though I was being punished, and it was all Scarlet's fault. I begged. I cried. Nothing helped. Brandy went alone. Scarlet finally ended up getting dropped off at 1.30. I was mad at her, but my mom said that if I made a scene, we wouldn't go at all. And so I relented. We arrived around 20 minutes later in the big parking lot where the bus was scheduled to stop. We saw the crowds in the distance, and I asked my mom where the characters from the show were. She said that they were just behind the crowd. They all held... The M Show Tour flyers, but it looked as if the crowd was made up mostly of parents. They stood in a semicircle towards the edge of the parking lot. Some of them looked concerned. Most were laughing and talking. My mom spotted Brandy's mother at the other end of the semicircle, and together we walked over to her. She was one of the worried ones. She told us that the bus had been there on time, complete with the show's logo on the side and that all the characters from the show had poured out of it and began handing out candy to the crowd. One of the actors explained to the parents that they had built a set just outside of town, where we could all make our own short film with the characters from the show. He said they would drive everybody there. They took the children first. The kids were all so excited at the prospect of being on camera that few parents objected. Still, three or four adults insisted on accompanying them on the bus, and that calmed the rest. The next bus was supposed to arrive within a few minutes to transport the remaining parents to the location of the set. When I heard that, I was excited like never before. I ran to the street to look around so I could be the first on the bus. Scarlet followed me. I didn't see the worried expression when Brandy's mother talked to mine. I didn't understand why the police came less than an hour later. I didn't understand when my mom said that there was no second bus coming. I didn't understand, in the days that followed, when the people on the news somberly reported that the M show didn't have a fan club. I didn't understand why Brandy's parents cried so much. I was sure that Brandy was okay. I thought she just had so much fun that she didn't want to come back. She must have had a lot of fun. Because she never came back. Brandy's mother cried even more that Friday when a small parcel arrived. 
there was a new M Show Fan Club membership card for Brandy. It was golden and said Elite Member in big, bold letters. It also came with a video. It was only a minute long. A full minute of Brandy on the set of the M Show, wearing the same dress she had on that Sunday the tour came to town. On the video, Brandy was smiling. Beside her stood an actor in a big animal suit, waving silently at the camera. Hi, Mom. I really like it here, Brandy said. I really wish you could be here. Then she laughed. I'm sorry the others were late. I'm sure they would have loved it too. If we have shown you one thing on the Simply Scary podcast, it is that the magical land of imagination can be a hiding place for foul things indeed. You may just be blinded by the fairy dust, but rest assured that those that stalk you are not. When we return, we will proceed further into the abyss. Hello, Chilling Tales fans. Jesse Cornett here. Though we didn't hit our Kickstarter goal required to fund a fully animated 30-minute episode of our series, we are proceeding with additional efforts to fund illustrated graphic novel-style videos. Though we may need to start with a goal that is slightly less grand, we are confident that the material we produce with your help will allow us to reach new fans, excite our existing ones, and make it easier for us to expand into larger and larger projects such as the fully animated series, video game production, or other visually oriented things we have planned. The first step in getting where we're going is to get our audio animated, and we still need your help. As of today, we've launched a GoFundMe.com fundraiser at www.gofundme.com forward slash Chilling Tales Animated. At GoFundMe.com, any funds you donate will contribute to our goal, regardless of whether or not we reach the total amount requested, currently set at $5,000. Though this far less ambitious goal will not allow us to acquire the talents of a gentleman such as Robert England, or allow for a full 30 frames per second animation, it will allow us to expand into animated graphic novel style short film production. So, if you'd like to join in and help us get a start in a different way, join us today at GoFundMe.com. Again, that's www.GoFundMe.com forward slash Chilling Tales Animated. Let us cut the house lights for our next presentation. Now we come to the malaise of middle age, where a man thought his future would be much brighter. But he has come to the realization that his sacrifice of creativity in the world of corporate art is sadly the secret to success. Nonetheless, his frustration only deepens as he is tasked with turning an obscure comic into a Hollywood hit. When he meets its maker, he will learn how true artistic expression can be deadly. Featuring Otis Gyrie and performed by Jason Hill, we present to you Slime Beasts, Adapt or Die.
I've heard it said that if you want to work in television or film these days, you need to adapt or die. This doesn't mean you have to change to fit the tastes of modern audiences or keep up with current trends or technology. What it literally means is that if you're pitching a concept to a production company or network, you'd better be adapting an established property, or your project is likely to be dead on arrival. Say if you're not hoping to create a prequel, sequel, spin-off, uh, the much-dreaded reboot, you'll want to present an adaptation of something with a pre-existing audience. It seems like executives are less and less willing to take a risk on an original idea, when they can cut corners and use name recognition to fill seats. Don't get me wrong, when I moved out here, I had every intention of making my own way on my own. I came with my own show bibles and series synopses. I started out on the web, and when people started digging my work, I began aiming higher. Little did I suspect that of all the projects I would be hired to write, none of them would actually turn out to be mine. That's how I was introduced to the concept, adapt or die. Early on, I got work converting the lesser-known works of Hans Christian Andersen into a modern television crime drama. Thumbelina became a diminutive, tough-talking rookie on a corrupt police force that only she could clean up. The Ugly Duckling was reimagined as a promising young ballet dancer, threatened by a mob boss named Little Klaus. Every word I hammered out felt like a nail in my own creative coffin, but the studio loved it. When production wrapped on the first season, I swore on everything I held sacred that I would never do anything like that again. A few tense years scrambling for work changed that. And the next big job I took on involved corrupting a 1970s children's puppet show about whimsical Vikings. Under monetary duress, I transformed it into an action-packed major motion picture sex extravaganza. Starring some fly-by-night starlet who was far more adept at showing skin than choosing scripts. After that, I stopped pretending I had standards. This was what led me to Tybalt Ward. As the legend went, Mr. Ward had come over to the United States from the Czech Republic when he was a young man... Having only a box of old drawing pencils to his name, he took to drawing caricatures of anyone willing to drop a few coins into his tin. Eventually, his artistic skill would catch the attention of the local newspaper, which gave him his first real job as a staff cartoonist. It was a rags-to-riches story I would love to explore as a character piece. A film about the rise of a young immigrant escaping some unknown old-world persecution would have been a nice change of pace from the recycling dump my office had become. Unfortunately, it was not meant to be. Mr. Ward had become somewhat well-known for a comic strip he had initially created for the paper, one that got him a few book deals and saw his work reprinted across the country in various outlets. Fresh Catch was the name. 
I suppose it was clever at the time. And the bad wordplay certainly didn't detract from the strip's staying power. The 80s even saw a fresh catch cartoon, though. It only aired for one season before being replaced by something equally saccharine. They changed the name to Tuna Tunes as well, which seemed an odd choice. I had actually seen the cartoon as a child, though it hadn't made enough of an impression to be remembered. It wasn't until I was offered the job of adapting Fresh Catch into a live-action film that memories of the short-lived show came creeping back into my brain. It was essentially a Tom and Jerry setup, back when that was actually a new concept. The comic strip featured a small group of anthropomorphic tuna fish who would engage in ocean-related wordplay and would be involved in various slapstick scenarios. Where Garfield had pies in the face and hating Mondays, the fresh catch fish would constantly fall for fishing hooks hidden in everyday items they want to keep. I bought a couple collections of the strip to prepare myself for the project. I could spot an oft-used formula right away. Panel 1. Tuna fish looking at a random item they would like to keep. Panel 2. Tuna gives the setup for a pun or wordplay. Panel 3. Tuna tries to take the item, but gets snared by a hook and is whisked off panel. Panel 4. Remaining tuna deliver the punchline, seemingly with no regard to their lost friend. I didn't see much material to work with in terms of an overarching storyline for a feature-length film, but inventing a plot was something I had gotten very used to. Just flay the concept to a skeleton, then slap some mystery meat back onto it, and you've got your own literary Frankenstein's monster. The villain of the comic strip, the Gargamel, or Lucy Van Pelt, as it were, was a grizzled old fisherman who also happened to be a buck-toothed beaver man. His name was originally Old Man Dam, but in later strips a more commercially viable moniker stuck. Driftwood, he was eventually called. The stains on his rain slicker and wading boots could have been fish guts, but it's more likely they were just crudely drawn splashes of water. The weird thing about this comic strip, as opposed to the aforementioned Tom and Jerry, is that sometimes the Beaver Man won. Every so often, a strip would actually end with Driftwood catching and canning one of the tuna characters. It was always some one-off fish who didn't appear in the strip before or after, but I found it to be a disturbing creative choice nonetheless. The cans would go on a shelf in the beaver character's fishing shack, along with many others he'd managed to catch. I was just glad he never seemed to eat any of them. No one the kids reading the strip could see, at least. I figured it would be easy enough in the end. A nuclear family of live-action actors goes out on their boat one day for a wholesome family vacation. A storm hits, and they are magically transported to an island where they meet a bevy of annoying CGI tuna who will not shut up. Driftwood and his gang of dockworker otters menace the happy, colorful tuna fish, and eventually the family saves them. Roll credits.
move merchandise. Early talk behind the scenes that Ryan Reynolds is the father. And I hear tell that Ice Cube might lend his voice to a rapping tuna. Then I met the illustrious Mr. Ward. I have sat down with plenty of weirdos in my time. Studio execs who are obviously coked out of their minds. Eccentric actors who want to pick my brain about how their pointless and forgettable characters would behave. And so on, and so on. Mr. Ward was different. He lived in squalor, which was surprising considering the modest legacy he had created for himself. I suppose whatever deals he had made as a young man were short-sighted, not all that beneficial to him. His home looked all but abandoned, the yard full of random debris and clusters of rusted old rain barrels. I realized when I pulled into his bumpy dirt driveway how far I had truly traveled from any sign of civilization. Apparently, Mr. Ward enjoyed solitude. I can understand being drawn to the peace and quiet of wooded property on the outskirts of town, but suffice it to say, it's not for me. I couldn't imagine an elderly person living so far away from any form of medical assistance by choice. The old man was insufferable, crooked, and gnarled like the dead trees outside his run-down house. Mr. Ward looked like someone who should have been afraid of a random stranger like myself. Instead, he was quite the opposite, barking at me to get inside before I let in the mosquitoes, demanding I take a seat and stop acting nervous. It was difficult to believe a somewhat funny comic strip had come out of such a humorless old man. I was deeply regretting the decision to look him up, even before he insisted I drink bitter, stale tea from a cup with a crusted over lip. To say that Mr. Warren's visage was unpleasant is something of an understatement. It wasn't the ruddy, wrinkled skin or the wild brow and ear hair that put me off. It was the scowl. A scowl so overstated and outlandish that it would have been more at home on a drawing of driftwood than on a human face, especially since they seemed to share the same two prominent front teeth. You must be wondering why I asked to meet with you, I croaked, choking down the scolding water that was barely passable as a legitimate beverage. No. Mr. Ward shook his head, taking his own cup and shaking hands. You're one of the movie men, the last in a long line of snake oil salesmen who wish to bastardize my work. Ha, 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 Believe me, the last thing I wanted to do with my career was adapt other people's ideas. But, uh, hey, hey, look at it this way. You're the first creator I can actually sit down and talk to. You can tell me what you do or don't like, and maybe I can change this or that according to your opinions. Mr. Ward sat back for a moment, breath whistling through his nose as he seemed to consider my words. It was like watching a very old dried-out gourd trying to process a head full of burrowing mites. What I would like from you would be to leave my work alone. You will not adapt it, you will ruin it. You will corrupt it. 
You do not create, you destroy. You have any respect for people who actually dream, who invent. You will not put your hands on my characters or my world. Slightly taken aback, I defended a process I deeply hated. Sure, the end product I would produce was going to be intellectual garbage, but I had seen the comic strip, and it wasn't exactly comedy gold. Uh, well, don't you want your story to reach a wider audience? A new generation of children. Surely you created the comic strip to bring joy and laughter to kids. So why not let others take up the project and grow the viewer base? These doodles, they, they may seem small and ridiculous to you. To me, they are very important. There is a piece of myself in these strips. Even poorly made doll or shirt that bears my creation rips another piece of my work away from me. It becomes less special, less meaningful. The discussion was tense, and it dragged on for an hour or more. As cranky as Mr. Ward was, he was far from stupid. So, in the end, he knew that no matter how much he objected, the rights to his work hadn't belonged to him in a very long time. The most he could really hope to do was guide my hand a bit. Eventually, he relented and did give me some advice about the project. Mostly, he spoke of the way the strip represented real life and the truth of human nature. My God. I had to stifle a laugh or two here and there. He clearly thought quite highly of himself. The fish can be smart, but they are easy to manipulate. It is integral to the story that you show that they are victims of their own wants and compulsions. The boys are caught by things like baseballs, toy trucks, trinkets that catch their eye. Then the old man's outdated opinion started to show through. The girls, they desire things like beautiful dresses, cakes, and candies. They are also not as wily as the boys, not as clever. Women frequently cause problems that the men must step in and solve. When I was content, if not comfortable with the information and opinions I had received, I said my goodbyes and promised Mr. Ward he would be happy with the final product. I'm sure neither he or I actually believed that. In the following weeks, I set to work on an early draft of the script. As mentioned, I went with the family gets sucked into a land of adventure thing. I got word the Driftwood was going to be a live-action character, which meant no gnawing down trees or flattening people with his tail, unless I wanted to make the actor very uncomfortable. I also removed the morbid concept of Driftwood catching and canning the tuna fish children would no doubt become attached to. Sending kids out of the theater in tears wasn't really a good way to sell more tickets. Instead, I threw in a foreboding threat of selling the island to developers as the villain's main motivation. It's worked for pretty much every other children's property ever written. 
I had to admit that while most of the original creator's words about not adapting his work and preserving outdated gender roles fell on deaf ears, something about the whole thing did cause me to rethink something. Maybe this time, and just this time, I would leave my name off the finished film. A pseudonym would work, and while I was more than ready to accept the paycheck, there would realistically be little to no notoriety to claim from this. Maybe disassociating myself was an easy, perhaps lazy, form of protest, but it was protest nonetheless. I had just finished my first draft when the phone rang. It happened so perfectly that if I had seen it in a story, I would have never believed it could happen. The moment I typed the final D in end, the ring snapped me out of my creative focus. Tybalt Ward was dead, and the movie was off. The timing was even more unbelievable than that of the call. At first, I saw little reason to cancel the film project based on Ward's death alone, and then the details were filled in for me. In his old age, Mr. Ward had clearly been unable to keep his property in acceptable condition. After many warnings, countless fines, and several threats of action, the county finally sent a crew out to remove the junk he had accumulated. There was a gunshot and they found the man dead at his kitchen table, his empty teacup overflowing with blood. His death was instant, a self-inflicted wound to the head, the barrel clenched between his odd teeth. Mr. Ward didn't kill himself over the county's decision to dispose of his things. Not entirely, anyway. Apparently, the rain barrels I had seen in his front lawn were just the tip of the iceberg. Supposedly, there were others scattered across his backyard, and a shed out back filled with them as well. There were even two or three barrels stacked in the closets in the house. Inside the barrels? Kids. Many, many children. From as-of-yet-undetermined decades. It would be a very long time before they could all be identified. But some were in such a state of decay that Mr. Warren must have been at it well back into his years as a cartoonist. It's been over a year now, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around the whole thing. All I know is that the Fresh Catch movie is definitely cancelled, with absolutely no plans in the works to revive the project. And I moved on to a sci-fi channel adaptation of that old... Flying purple people eater song. In all seriousness, they expect me to wring twelve episodes out of that thing. Possibly more. If they're desperate enough. I'm thinking that once it's sorted out, once there's some more insight into who these kids were, where they were abducted from, and why Tybalt Ward might have done what he did... Maybe I'll revisit the whole thing with fresh eyes. As soon as it's not too soon, as they say. I'm almost positive that I can adapt this into a pretty decent horror movie. Pretty decent. Thank <laughs> you. 
If you knew the true inspiration of some people's expression, you might not be as apt to support their lifestyle with your patronage. In fact, it might be best to leave the mind of the maker unexplored, if, of course, you truly value your sanity. We will be right back for the next chapter in our midnight screening. So next time you're out in the primitive places, taking a stroll through the dew-speckled woods or breezy valleys, be careful that you're not walking the midnight mile, where something may remember you. Freakfest fans are gathering for our next presentation. Oh, how easy it is to be anonymous in the cyber world, and how courageous it makes the most cowardly of people. (laughs) Reminds me of a certain Archibald Carlyle. (laughs) But we will introduce you to a typical basement dweller, one with too much time on his hands and too much student fees in his budget. Under the guise of higher education, his time spent trolling prepared him for a life of disassociation. But when a new online thrill presents itself, will he regret his part as an unattached observer as events begin to hint too close to home? Josh Irish logs on in Matt Demersky's The Pledge. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I was uh, skeptical when my online friends first linked me to the supposed evil Kickstarter that was going viral on the less than wholesome forums we frequented. 
We were an unmoderated haven for trolls, weirdos, and radicals, sure, but this Kickstarter was something else entirely. It seemed to have no publicly stated goal. The writers had only promised something awesome if the, the funding amount was reached. Stranger still, the rewards were all hidden, except for the first level. In the pledge one dollar or more box, the text read, Wanna get started? Throw in one dollar and you will receive access to the higher pledge tiers. Also, two things will happen. You will have a minor, intangible wish granted, and we will send you a video of one of us kicking a random stranger. Estimated delivery, tomorrow. Tomorrow? Don't these rewards usually only get sent out after full funding? But I understood what they were going for. This was a, a gimmick to get attention, and judging by the high number of backers listed in the box, it was working. Screw it, I thought. I'll throw in a dollar and see what happens. As I woke up the next morning, I trudged around the kitchen making coffee and then sat sipping it at the table while trying to escape the grogginess of sleep. All I wanted was a day to myself to avoid the grinding monotony of classes. At that moment, my phone dinged. Lifting it, I saw that someone had sent me an email with a video attachment. I instantly became fully awake as I realized what this was. Opening it with trepidation, I hit play and watched. Five teenagers in black hoodies and expressionless white masks ran through an alleyway together, often looking back at the camera and laughing. When they reached the street, they made a beeline for a tired businessman on a bench. The lead kid ran right up and kicked him in the shin. By the time the businessman leapt up, the hooligans were already running away. Last few seconds of the video were a close-up of a white mask and dark, emotionless eye holes as they fled the scene. This one's for you, Jason Phillips. Thanks for your $10 pledge. It would be an understatement to say I was put off. I mean, they were actually going around kicking people in return for a dollar. I had to call the police. I picked up my phone again, moved to the action by the fear that I might be liable for this, but my phone dinged again. I had a text message and an email from the official college department telling me that classes were canceled today on, on account of a bomb threat. I sat in silence until it hit me. I'd just been wishing for a day to myself. Had these violent teenagers guessed that that would be my minor wish? Had they called in a bomb threat? get me the day off. I shivered. I couldn't call the police. I couldn't be connected to this. I'd be expelled at best and jailed at worst. They might even look into my history of trolling online, and then I'd really be screwed. How the hell had they gotten my name? Had I been so stupid to use my real credit card? I flipped through the logs and confirmation emails, but no. I'd taken the proper precautions and used an anonymous cash card. How had they gotten my information? Oh, jeez. My friends had to be in on it, of course. This was all a prank. Well, they gotten me good. There's probably no bomb threat at all. Text had likely been faked or spoofed somehow. Smiling the whole way, I went to class anyways. But it was cancelled. And cops were everywhere. 
Rather than going home, I stopped in a Starbucks and pulled out my laptop. Was it paranoia to avoid using my computer at home? Something about this seemed off. Checking the Kickstarter again to try and understand what was happening, I saw that I had been given access to the $5 tier. Now that you've seen we're legit, why not up the stakes a little? Pledge five bucks, and we'll get you something tangible of your choice, worth $500 or less. We'll also send you a video of us punching a stranger in the face. Estimated delivery tomorrow. I could actually feel my circulatory system in my torso, thanks to the stressed beats within. It was not a pleasant feeling, but pay five bucks and get something worth 500 First thing that came to mind was that gaming console I couldn't afford. All my classmates were talking about the greatest new games, but could only watch gameplay videos online to carry on the charade that I had them myself. In some sense, I believe that the Kickstarter videos were staged and that the end parts with a close-up and my spoken name were edited into the end of each file they sent out. Reassuring myself, I pledged five bucks. I drank more than my fair share of beer that night with my roommates, trying to pretend like everything was fine. I forced smiles and told some jokes. One of my friends mentioned that I seemed strained, but I laughed it off and said it was just the stress of upcoming finals. The beer helped me sleep, but I awoke with a start and ran downstairs as morning light shimmered in through the windows. There was already a package on my doorstep. It was addressed to someone named Ricardo Menez, along with a note that read, Happy Birthday, Son. I opened it, but I already knew what it was. Someone else's gaming system had been diverted to my address. As I opened the box, my phone dinged. My blood ran cold. Were they teenagers? They were thin and lanky under their black hoodies and blue jeans, but their masks hid any identifying features. Watching them run, I noticed their gait seemed odd. I steeled myself as they burst out in a different alley and ran at a haggard mother pushing a baby carriage. But it was useless. Lead hooligan ran straight at her. Popped her in the side of the face with a punch that took a straight line. Hey there, mommy. What are you doing? <laughs> From what I had just seen, I knew they were the same height as the woman they had just assaulted. I absorbed that fact to counter the horrible feeling that I had caused this to happen to some unsuspecting mother on the street. Again. A mask filled the video view for the final sequence. Thanks for your $5 pledge, Jason Phillips. I hope you enjoy those games. The gaming system found a new home in a dumpster five blocks away from my apartment. I couldn't keep it. Not after what I'd seen. And I certainly couldn't sell it without confirming intent for any police that might be chasing these guys down. On the walk back, I took a roundabout route. I eyed every car around me with suspicion. No one seemed to be taking notes of my presence. But why should they? To the real world, I was just a random college senior, 
They had no idea what I did or said online. Classes blurred by. I could think of nothing else but the Kickstarter. I knew I would see another new pledge level if I looked again, but I feared what I would find. Between classes, I tried to contact the friends that had linked me to it. None of them were responding. I was still half certain they were somehow in on it, but the feeling this whole thing was giving me. I just couldn't be sure anymore. My resistance lasted two days. Ostensibly, I was checking to see when the mysterious goalless Kickstarter was ending. But I couldn't help but glance down and see the $10 tier. You're in it now, friend. For your amazing support of $10, we'll free you from an intangible chain that's weighing you down. We'll also send you another one of those videos you love. In this one, we'll non-fatally stab someone just for you. Estimated delivery, tomorrow. Stab someone. Jesus Christ. But an intangible chain weighing me down. God, my student loans. I hit the pledge button without letting myself debate further. My student loan debt was over $80,000, and it was represented a lifetime of tithing servitude that I would never fully repay. Not with the way the economy was going. Wine was my friend that night, rather than beer. I sat watching pirated movies online until the sun came up, not bearing to think about what I'd done. At the same time, I very much needed this to be real. When the student financial service office opened, I was there. As I barged in the instant the clock hit the hour, a blonde fellow student looked up in surprise. Can I help you? Yes, um, I need to check my debt balance. I tried my best to look calm, but I guess my purse restraint just made me that much more suspicious. Uh, my name's Jason Phillips. Here's my student ID and papers. Sure. She took my paperwork and turned to her computer. She typed for a moment and then turned her attention back to me. If this is about a payment, you can go to our... Oh. She stopped typing. It looks like you have a zero balance. I was barely able to keep myself from shaking in my sneakers. She shook her head. Wait, no, no debt? It got paid off? No, you've never taken out a loan with us at all. You've enrolled, but the registrar's database says you've been paying in cash every time. I forced a nonchalant smile. From what accounts? <laughs> oh, we don't have access to that here. <laughs> she gave a small laugh. I'm just here through work-study. Is something wrong? I'd kill to be debt-free. My phone dinged in my pocket. Don't say that came out sounding far more serious than I had intended. Out in the hallway, I sat and watched the video. Same black-hooded, white-masked thugs were running through an alley. As they emerged onto the street, headed for a bald teenage girl, in a shirt that read, I stood strong, I fought hard, I won. I closed the video and put it away. I couldn't watch it. I recognized that kind of shirt from my father's own struggle with cancer. The shaking wouldn't stop. 
I imagined I was bright red from the absolute chaos going on inside my chest. God, I was free of the debt, free of the weight of $80,000 that had racked up when my father's illness ate my college fund. I was free of the debt, and I was happy for it. I was happy. Meanwhile, some teenage girl that had just survived the unthinkable was about to be stabbed in exchange. My only consultation, a spit and tears plopped onto the floor by my sneakers, was that the pledge box had specified non-fatal. Are you alright? It was my turn to look up in surprise. It's not often that someone comes in freaked out and sad that they have no debt. She studied my face. Something's the matter, isn't it? Sat next to me. I'm Kelly. Jason. I couldn't bring myself to look her in the eye. Why don't you tell me what's wrong, Jason? It all spilled out from me. One long babbling wave. Kickstarter, the pledge tears, the bomb threat, the kick, the gaming system, and the punch in the face... Cancelled student loan debt. She, she sat and listened to it all. Wary. After I was done, she nodded once and narrowed her eyes. Show me the video. That was not the reaction I had expected. I had been braced for disbelief or having the cops called on me. Are you sure? It's... Just show it to me. She took the phone and watched without visible reaction. Jason Phillips, we're sure you'll agree freedom's never tasted so good. When the video finished, Kelly looked up from the screen, handed the phone back to me. <sighs> well, they stabbed her, but I think she'll live. I finally found the strength to look her in the eye. Now that someone else knew, the grip of terror and self-loathing wasn't quite so powerful. You're not scared? I don't know enough to be scared yet. Do you have the other two videos on this phone? Yes. Here. I handed the phone back to her, watched as Kelly viewed the previous two reward videos with the same calculating gaze. Once they were over, she continued. They always originate out of sight. Why is that? And who exactly is doing the filming? Tonight, let's get these on a bigger monitor and watch for reflection. These look like random city streets. There's no way they've got all the angles covered. And if they do, you'll know it's fake. I nodded. <sighs> I have a desktop computer at home. Two big monitors. You a computer science major? Yeah. Alright, here's my number. Text me your address and I'll come by after working classes. I took my phone back with a sense of dumbfounded shame and hope. Why are you helping me? Maybe I'm one of them, and this is just a way of secretly getting closer to you. I laughed nervously, but she returned to the student financial service office without taking it back or even hinting that she was joking. Something about her deadpan attitude made her seem trustworthy, or maybe I was just desperate to have help in this, but I had no other option anyway. That night I sent her my address and she showed up with a laptop of her own and sat at the desk alongside me. I loaded up the videos on my large monitors and 
began to go through them frame by frame, staring at every single blur and corner. Hackers of some sort? Kelly took a drink from a very large fountain soda she had bought. <sighs> You'd be surprised the kind of information they can get online. Oh, I'm no stranger to hacking. It felt good to have an ally. Something about Kelly's demeanor told me I could trust her. I basically live on the internet. Career no lifer here, but this is a whole other level. Calling in bomb threats, redirecting mail, canceling dead, all without any police attention that I've seen. These guys are good. She glanced up at one of the tab names in my browser bar above the video. You frequent that forum? My face turned red, and I quickly closed the tab. I'm not a brony, I swear. I was just trying to get info on these guys. Oh, I believe you. There's nothing in the first or second video, even going frame by frame. Could just be unlucky. Load up the third one. I glanced over at my small digital clock. Are you sure? It's two in the morning. I'm sure. There's something here. Why are you helping me? She looked at me, straight in the eyes, which I found was rare for her. It's a mystery. Don't you want to solve it? They're hurting people. My heart was beating fast again for many reasons. This is messed up. They're, they're already halfway to their fundraising goal and I don't even know what'll happen when they reach it. Could be some sort of terrorist attack. But that doesn't seem right. These guys have some sort of moral code lurking behind their cheery shenanigans. They're giving you things. But they're also hurting people. Before we look at the third video, what's the next pledge tier? I opened up the Kickstarter and stared. You've come so far in support of our grand goal. What's a few more dollars? Pledge $25 and we'll get you something tangible that will go a long way towards your happiness and freedom. Our video offering here is also pretty kick-ass, pun intended. With this tier, we'll send you a video of us kicking someone you know. Estimated delivery tomorrow. Kelly looked at me. The cost in violence appears to have gone down. But now it's someone I know. What does that mean? What level of being familiar with someone means I know them? Do they mean my friends online? Classmates here? The choice is yours. But that seems like a small price to pay for more information. A fourth video would help, along with seeing them in action again. Oh, well, that's true. I'd been thinking that myself. Before I could second-guess the decision, I clicked the pledge button again. Kelly gazed around my bedroom. Nothing happened. Well, yeah, it's not immediate. Then let's go over this video. We began going through the third video frame by frame, looking for any hint of editing or angles that might show something the five masks lanky figures had missed. And I lost all feeling in my limbs for a moment as I finally saw it. Pointing, I drew Kelly's attention to a reflection on a passing car window. Five black hoodies and white masks could be seen. But... There's nobody filming. That's where the camera should be, right? Yeah. I, look, right there. The, there's the pole that just passed on the left. Where's the cameraman? Where's the camera? While I got up and began to pace back and forth in a panic, 
She sat in her chair, staring down at the desk. Hacking, coding, digital alteration, buried for us to find. They want us to be scared. They didn't make a single mistake in the first two videos. Why now? They knew we'd comb through and find it. All part of the gimmick. Yeah, that has to be it. She rocked back and forth slightly as she spoke. But to edit the reflection on glass on a moving car so perfectly. It's amazing. Kelly snapped out of her reverie and looked at me. It's too late to walk through the city. I'm staying here tonight. Just like that. One confusing terror drained out of me to be replaced by another. Okay. She slept on the other side of my bed while I remained awake. I was getting increasingly fatigued, but I was far too tense to sleep for many reasons. Morning came as a gradual gray lightning, and I sat up weary, just as the sounds of a loud and heavy truck began emanating from outside my window. Kelly awoke and popped up instantly with no sign of exhaustion. Together we went outside to see a heavy-set man operating a winch to lower a sports car onto the pavement. You're Jason Phillips? Yeah. You got some ID? I flashed him my driver's license. This car's for you, kid. What did you do, get all A's and your parents bought you a car? Staring, I said nothing. He handed me the title after I signed something on a clipboard. And suddenly, I was the new owner of a Lamborghini. The delivery man knew nothing of interest, only that the order had come in online and cleared. I was left to sit in my new sports car while my phone dinged every so often to remind me I had a new video. This didn't do it for me. I didn't care about the car. I wasn't really that material, except what else had the tear said? Something about freedom? A car meant the ability to travel. With a car, class would no longer be a 20-minute walk. I could give rides to people, curry favor, impress girls. I looked over at Kelly, who, who stood studying the title and paperwork. Did this kind of thing impact her at all? Nothing seemed to faze her. But I was not nearly as stoic. The fourth video immediately began in a dark gap between two houses. The five white masked perpetrators ran across the street towards a house I recognized. As they broke in the door, the sounds of my mother screaming reached my ears. I watched in abject horror as the invaders broke my dad's at-home medical machines and began brutally kicking him till he was crawling on the floor. Exact grammar was important. The first tier had said that one of them would kick a random stranger. This latest tier had simply said the video would be of us kicking someone I knew. I hadn't paid close enough attention. My jaw began trembling as I watched the five run from the house laughing. Jason Phillips, thanks for your continued donations. What is it? Through the open car window. I handed her the phone in silence. She watched it calmly. 
This is great. Great? Did you see what they did? Yes. They entered a place they did not control, and by the color of the sky, it looks like they literally just did this. They'll have screwed up this time. They didn't give themselves a chance to edit the video. Get inside. Get this on your monitor. Wiping away tears, I did as instructed, and we began going over the fourth video frame by frame. I was gut-wrenching to see my father beaten so brutally after what he had already survived. And to know that I did that, it was something I could never apologize for. The Kickstarter is almost at its goal. Glancing at my other monitor, I saw only a sliver remaining to be filled. It was me, wasn't it? It was counting down for me. I kept finding excuses to gain things at the cost of others, and I kept finding ways to feel confused or surprised about the results to, to shirk responsibility. It had clearly stated what would happen in each tier. In fact, while Kelly continued studying the fourth video, my eyes stayed to the fifth and final tier. Are you ready for the change? Pledge the maximum amount and we'll reach our goal. Untold wonders await our most devoted supporters. We'll also send you a video of us killing someone you know. Don't worry, it won't be a family member. Estimated delivery? Immediate. Untold wonders. What could that entail? They'd already done such incredible things, but... It all been within the realm of possibility via computers and social engineering so far. They missed one! They missed a reflection! She grasped my arm, but I just kept staring at the pledge button. Untold wonders. They're not human. Jason! Jason, look, you have to look! My hand floated to my mouse, and I moved the pointer over the pledge button. I had an idea of who would be sacrificed. If not a family member... Kelly seemed like a great person. Strange in some ways, very caring in others, but... Did I really value her as, as highly as whatever these untold wonders were? I didn't know her that well, but yes. Yes, I did. She was human. She was alive, just like me. This wasn't some anonymous person on the internet that I was slinging insults at. This was a real person, and I understood now that they had always been real people behind their monitors somewhere in the world. God, I'd been such a terrible person. The stress of my father's illness and the pressure on my finances and family pushed me in a dark direction, a direction I now had to resist. I let out a sigh and released a mouse. Spell was broken. It was over. The madness was over. No more. I can't go down this road any further. It's just not right. I turned and froze. The ominous black maw of a gun barrel had been pointed at the back of my head. It was now directly touching the bridge of my nose. Kelly? Kelly slowly withdrew her weapon, slotted it into an unseen holster, still eerily calm. 
she began to walk away. I called after her from my seat, my mind racing from the adrenaline. What was all of this? Was it just some kind of test? Kelly paused at my door, without bothering to look back at me. Yes. A test for admittance. And you failed. Her gaze turned slowly toward me. Now that she was no longer putting on an act, I understood that her emotionless expression was that of an animated corpse. But I'm glad you did. You wouldn't like it where we're from. With that, she was gone. I was left to quiver in my chair. Process what had happened and stare at the one reflection the editor had missed in the fourth video. The face of the cameraman. It was a demonic, yellow-eyed, maggot-infested, sneering visage. It was a face that would haunt my nightmares for the rest of my life. It was my face. Almost. Sometimes a second chance is all we need to prove we never deserved it in the first place. <laughs> Join us for more cinematic sadism when we return. The Simply Scary Podcast, Season 2, Episode 5. Become a patron today and you'll get the extended version of this show. Here's a sample of the extra stories you get when you become a member. The following shot was of a woman sitting beside the crib, which was clearly occupied by an infant. Wow, I thought at first. What a great actress. But, as I looked into her eyes, the horror of the situation truly began to dawn on me. She was not acting. Wait, I think I found it. A window shattered deeper in the house. A thud sounded, followed by a grunt. An impact shook the floor and the others began shouting. Trying to discern what was happening, I moved my head back and forth, but all I could see were shadowy forms. My eyes played tricks on me. Become a member today. Go to simplyscarypodcast.com forward slash tour to get more horror than you can handle. It is time for the final curtain call on our trip into Terra with these important announcements. Remember, it is extremely important that you allow the ads to play through in our YouTube videos and occasionally click on them to assert your viewership. This is a small way to lend your support without opening that billfold. Become a patron today and you will have access to an extended broadcast of this show featuring stories not included in the public YouTube release. 
go to simplyscarypodcast.com and click on Patrons at the top of the page to take the tour and to get access to all our content and unreleased material that you will find nowhere else. And finally, we reveal this episode's winner from the YouTube comments, where I read your comment on air and you get a fiendishly frightening surprise gift from us at the Simply Scary Podcast. This comment comes from Toxic Zombie Wolf. <laughs> How appropriate. They write, How is it that your podcasts are not more popular? I love listening to them. Easier now on my new account. Keep up the great work. We should ask you the fans that same question. This is a great opportunity to let you know that you are the key to us becoming more popular. Even though you want to keep us to yourself, we need you to share us with all your horror fans and make sure that we are the online source for new horror. Continue your support of us through our website and our campaigns to keep bringing terrifying experiences to the world, and make sure to subscribe and stay up to date on our new content as we work to spread our brand of horror to the entire globe. Toxic Zombie Wolf, we will need you to send us a screenshot of your YouTube account page with your name pictured to contact at simplyscarypodcast.com in order to claim your prize. As for the rest of you fans, keep commenting and you could have your name read here by me. This is G.M. Danielson, thanking you for joining us. And as the credits roll, we extend our invitation to join us next time. But don't expect typical Hollywood flair, for we will take you to hell and back with our syndication of sinfully fun frights, and it will be a ticket well worth the price of your soul. So as the tense music rolls and your lights suddenly go out, be ready for the jump scare for you are just experiencing the Simply Scary Podcast. <laughs> this is executive producer Jesse Cornett. If you like what you hear, be sure to check out more from these authors at simplyscarypodcast.com. There you can find all information regarding the show and the stories appearing here in our podcast. The Simply Scary Podcast is a production of Chilling Entertainment. The showcase is written by Jesse Cornett and Dustin Kosky and produced by Jesse Cornett. The host of the Simply Scary Podcast is GM Danielson. Original music during the show by Jesse Cornett. This broadcast was directed and created by Craig Groshek. Be sure to look for the Simply Scary Podcast on iTunes. And if you like the show, leave us a five-star review. Comments or questions? Email us at contact at simplyscarypodcast.com and check our website for more information. While you're there, consider clicking on the patrons link at the top of the page to help support our show. Copyright Chilling Entertainment, LLC, 2017. Thanks for listening. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. 
Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.